0: Thanks for joining us for worship today. My name is Michaela, and I'm thankful to be a part of the Heritage team. No matter where you are in your spiritual journey, we are so glad that you are here with us today. As a church, we exist to connect people to God, to each other, and to their purpose. So today, we invite you to worship with us in song, prayer, and teaching. Feel free to engage however is most comfortable for you. We believe that God has something to say to you today. So if this is your first time joining us for service, or if you have any questions, prayer requests, or want to talk to one of our pastors, please go to heritageqc.com slash connect, and someone from the pastoral team will contact you soon. We are excited and expectant for what God is going to do in our time together. So let's lift our voice as we worship Him today.
1: Church, I invite you to stand with us, let's prepare our minds and our hearts for worship here this morning, we'd hear Holy Spirit and what He has to say for us, He has something to say to you. So let's just open our minds to Him today.
2: a question. How many of you get paid? Raise your hand. How many of you have a job and you get paid? Okay. Now for those of you who lost your job this week, I'm sorry. I'm not trying to be mean, but okay. So uh, how many of you happen to get it? How many of you happen to get a paycheck from someplace other than a church? Raise your hand. Okay. Everybody in the room except for a couple of us. Okay. Now here's the deal. The question you have to ask yourself is, is does God care about my work in the marketplace? And the answer is, yes. That's why he gifted you. That's why he's given you the abilities that he's given you. As an engineer, as a, a person who's a mechanic, as someone who's a doctor or a lawyer, or as someone who's a teacher, as someone who has unique and awesome gifts, that's why you have those gifts. Is because God wants to work in you and through you. And it's what happens so often is we walk into a church and and don't worry, I'm going to let you sit down in just a second, I promise. You won't be standing forever. But what happens, we, we come into a church and, and we hear messages. And we kind of say, okay, I got the spiritual stuff and whatever. And then, and we never equate that to where we actually work. Well, today, my heart and my spirit is that you would understand that God, that all this is, what you're in right now, is a huddle. Now, if fact, do me a favor. Turn to your neighbor right now and just say, this is a huddle. Go ahead. This is a huddle. That's all this is. This is a huddle. Like real life, like real life for some of us who work third shift starts tonight. Real life for others of us starts tomorrow or whenever it is that you go to work. That's real life. And that's where God wants to meet you is in real life in the marketplace. So last thing I want you to do, turn to your neighbor and say what you're about to hear. Go ahead. Turn to your neighbor and say what you're about to hear hear is for you. Not just for somebody else. Come on, say it. Not just for somebody else, but for you. you. And then say, wow, you look really nice too. And then you can have a seat. Now, I get this unique and awesome privilege this morning of doing something. And that is to that you've all had this happen. You've had like a good friend over here um, and another good friend over here. And they've never really met, and you have the privilege of introducing them. Well, that's what I get to do today. I have the privilege of introducing two people that I love. You, Heritage, who I love very much. And for those of you who I haven't had the chance to meet yet, my name is Chris. I'm just the interim pastor here. Um, I'm just a fill-in guy. That's all I am. Um, but I have the privilege of introducing you, Heritage, to a dear friend of mine by the name of Dave Geary, who God has anointed to do great things in the marketplace. Uh, and you're going to hear some really cool things today. So, would you welcome my friend, Dave Gary, who came in from Madison this morning? It's great to have him here. So, Dave and I have been friends um, for 20-plus years. And, um, and so, we both met when we were about 18 years old. And that's great. I'm kidding. You're laughing a bit too quick there. I just got to tell you, you're laughing a bit too quick. And, um, but the way that Dave and I met... Um, I, I think it's, it would be cool for you guys to hear. So, Mary and I, my wife and I, and didn't you enjoy? I know this is so weird for me to say. Didn't you enjoy Mary last, last week? I just love her so much. It's just so much. But the way that, so the way I met David, Mary and I had moved to Madison, Wisconsin, Wisconsin to plan a church. And I'd heard that there was this, uh, this really successful business guy who loved Jesus in town. And his name was Dave. Now, I'm a church planner. Do you know what church planners need? Money. That's what they need. You need money, and I knew that this diet guy Dave Gary might have some of that. So I, I found out how to get a hold of him, and, I, and he owns he owns fitness clubs. So I called him uh, Dave. They're looking at yeah. He actually does. He owns fitness clubs. That's what he does. Um, he doesn't necessarily have the body for it, but he does own fitness.
3: Listen, <laughs> I tell people I own a Dunkin' Donut, so then when they look at me, they're like, "Hey, you have pretty good self-control for a guy who's a baker." <laughs>
2: Way to go! So anyway, so I, I, I hung out, I went and met him at his health club, and then about 150 yards away across the street is a, is a Culver's. So we, uh, Dave says to me, why don't we go to Culver's? Well, I was such an idiot, and I don't know that doesn't surprise you, but I talked the entire time. Now, if you want money from us, the last person you should do is talk all the time. But that's what I did. I talked, him, and the reason why is because I was trying to tell Dave, I was trying to convince Dave that I was a good investment. <laughs> right? And that he should invest into this church that we we're going to plant. So, I'm talking the whole time. We walk across the street. We order our cheeseburgers. We're sitting down in Culver's. And I am finally wake up to the reality that I've been talking way too much. And so, I, I finally looked across the table at Dave and I said, I'm wondering right about now, what are you thinking? And he gets this look on his face and
3: well, when we left the health club and walked across the street, I don't i don't know about you, but I don't hear God in my ears.
2: You don't hear anything in your ears. Yeah,
3: not I can't hear anything anymore. But I, I hear God somewhere between my chest and my belly button, kind of in here in my spirit. It's more of a knowing, a still small voice. Do you understand what I'm talking about? So I think that that's one of the ways God speaks to us. Uh, obviously, the word of God and through other believers, but... That's a really big way for me. So as I'm walking across the street with Pastor Chris, I have the Holy Spirit. Now remember, I just met him 22 minutes ago. I don't don't even know him. But I have this question in my heart that um, I think I'm supposed to ask him. And I'm like, Lord, I can't ask him this. I don't even know him. He'll never talk to me again. And so we sat at the table, and he was persistent. He really wanted to know. I said, well, I I hope I see you again after this, but... I think the Lord wants me to ask you, whose kingdom did you come into the city to build, yours or his?
2: Ouch. For me. Ouch. And what God did that morning, that day, is that he began to speak into my heart and my spirit through a marketplace person. And that day, we began a friendship over 20 years ago that exists to this day where God has allowed us to speak into each other's lives. But I, what happened that day is we walked back to the Princeton Club because I'll tell you, and it was a little, as soon as he asked me that question, true story, I just began to cry because I knew he had nailed me. And it's a little embarrassing to be crying in the middle of a culver's.
3: It's a lot embarrassing to be <laughs> crying in public.
2: And, um, and so, we walked a pa- a- a- back across the street. And as we're walking back, Dave just starts speaking things into my life. And, um, and all of a sudden, he, he, this is literally what happened. He, t- he spoke to me about three different things, and we won't get into those now, but he, t- he spoke to me about those three things, and then… Let me tell this part. Okay.
3: So, I walk him back across the street. This cracks me up even to this day. This was how many years ago. Uh, I walked him in, and my brother Ted is at the health club, and he has a really strong gifting. I would call it a prophetic gifting. He'll pray, and he just… The Holy Spirit lets him know what to pray for somebody. It's just incredible. Powerful. So, I knew that. So, I said, hey, um, this, this is Pastor Chris. So I walk around the corner in the health club, <coughs> excuse me, and I look at Ted, and I say, will you uh, pray for Chris? And Ted's like, yeah, sure. So he sits down at his desk, and I just met him, and I go, okay, good to see you. Great to meet you. I'll, t- I'll catch up to you later on. And I left the building, and I went to the club on the other side of town. I just left. I still can't believe I did that. I know.
2: See ya. Bye. Nice meeting you. Have fun storming the castle. So, But what happened next? Well, then Ted begins to pray. And Ted prays over me the exact three things that David spoken into my life as we walked across. The exact three things. And, and the Holy Spirit. I, I'd opened up my heart to Jesus when I was seven. But that day, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. And my life has never been the same since. Never been the same. And God just began to, to work in my life and um, change me from the inside out.
3: And so I get a phone call from you a little while later, a couple of hours later, he goes, hey, I got a question for you, Dave. Did you talk to your brother, Ted? I was like, no, I mean, you were with me. I was standing right with you. He goes, he prayed the same things you told me on the way across the street. And I had not talked to Ted about this at all. It was just very clear the Holy Spirit had his hand on this man. And it was fun to be a part of that first interaction and that first touch that way. I've watched his life now for 25 years, and he's the hardest-working superintendent of your denomination that I know. He's just the real deal, honest, hardworking. He's a marathon runner, so he's got that mentality when it comes to ministry that he just won't give up. He'll just keep going and going. Honored to call him a friend.
2: Yeah, yeah. Praise be to God. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, here's what we want to talk to you about this morning. What I'm convinced of, and and I I actually, I want to do a little confession here. Confession time, but it's Chris Conrad, and it's pastors. Because what happens is, is that us pastor types, um, what we do is we tend to talk about things that happen inside the local church. So we look at someone who's gifted and called and has some ability, and we want them to serve in some capacity in the local church. The problem with that is, this is that God has gifted people, just as he's gifted Steve to lead worship, just as he's gifted other people to work, Pastor Bryce, Bryce to work with, with our kids ministry, just as he's gifted that way, he's gifted you to run in the marketplace. And we have not released you enough in to all that God has called you to be. And so what ends up happening is, is that you end up thinking, oh, if I was really spiritual, I guess I would spend all my time around the church. I guess I'd, ha- you know, maybe if I was really spiritual, I'd, I'd get up on stage someday. As a matter of fact, Dave had this great experience that happened. So why don't you talk yeah, about that? In,
3: uh, we went to a conference. There's 600 CEOs in this conference room. And there's a gentleman by the name of Henry Blackaby. And he says to 600 CEOs, that's the only people that were in the room. He said, you know, if you guys were all holy... I'm sorry. I I've never talked for services before, so this is new for me. Welcome to the club, bro. Way to go. No kidding, you do. If you go really holy, you all would uh, leave your jobs and go become missionaries in Africa. And he paused just like that for that long, and you could have heard a pin drop in that room because every guy in the every man, woman in the room was thinking the same thing. Like, yeah, maybe maybe I'm kind of. Greedy, maybe I just wanted to make money, maybe. It was incredible. And then he said, No, that's that's a lie. If you're really holy, you would follow Jesus Christ and leading and advance his kingdom in the place that he placed you. You're free to run in the marketplace. You guys are free to do the things God called you to do in the marketplace. And it was kind of a a weight that sort of came off the room. Like really it's okay to be me and this is what I'm called to do?
2: And so in a sense, that's what we want to do for you today. We want you to begin to reimagine who God created you to be and what he wants to do in you and through you, whether you're 16 or 88, I don't care. God wants to work in you and through you to impact the world around you. In the places where he's called you. In the places where he's placed you. Again, whether you're a teacher, whatever it is that your profession is. A nurse, I don't care. Mechanic, I don't care. He's placed you there so that you can be his person in that place. Now here's the thing. The thing is, is that you have an anointing on your life in the marketplace that I don't have on my life. I don't have the same anointing that you do. And oh, how I pray. Because here's what happens. Way too often is that people sit in chairs like this and they look up there and they say, oh, those are the holy, like super anointed ones. And I want to say, no, this is the holy ones. This are, these are the anointed ones. You guys are just as anointed. Just as called by God. There are things that Dave can... Did you know... So again, Mary and I planted a church in Madison, Wisconsin. Did you know that the, the biggest revival that has ever taken place in the city of Madison, which my friend Ed Stetzer calls, and Ed and I are friends who heads the Billy Graham Center at Wheaton College. Ed calls M- Madison a bastion of liberalism surrounded by a sea of conservatism. But... In the liberal city of Madison, there was a crusade that was held. And guess what? You know who was behind that? Was not a pastor. A pastor actually released a marketplace person by the name of Dave Gary and, say, and said, Dave, would you run with this? Dave listened to the Holy Spirit, got 60 churches united, and was very much in the background No one saw him on stage. He wasn't the big presence on stage. He was very much in the background. But guess what happened in two days in Madison, Wisconsin? We filled, they filled what would be our version of the Tax Slayer Arena. That was filled in Madison, Wisconsin. And over two nights, what happened? 1,379 people came to Christ. 1,300. And catch this, it wasn't
3: a pastor. It was a marketplace person. But it was a pastor involved. So I was asked by my pastor, and I'm not a rebellious person. So if you're one of those people, go out and blow something up if you want. But I'm not that way. I come through my local church with my pastor, and my elders, and then get released out. So my pastor came to me and said, hey, these guys are coming to town. I figured they're coming to my office to get some money to try to help do this crusade. They walked into my office. The same one you were in right there next to it. And th- they said, uh, we want to know if you would consider being a chairman of this crusade. <laughs> I was like, you got to be kidding. I had no idea they were going to ask me that. And I had no credentials. I didn't even hardly know that many different pastors in the city at that time. And I said, uh, oh my gosh, you guys, I thought you just wanted maybe a donation or something. Um, I, I, I'd, I'd really have to think about that. I, I'll go home and I promise I'll pray about it, but that just never crossed my mind. And they said, okay, thank you. They're very polite. They've been in the ministry for, Lowell Lundstrom was his name, had been in the ministry for 40 years. So he was seasoned. He's kind of a cowboy kind of a guy, tough guy. Yeah, he was. And uh, so I I said, yeah, I'll do that. So I... um, I thought, you know what I'm going to do as a business person? I think I'm going to go to Minnesota and I'm going to check this guy out before he even remembers who I am. So I'm going to go to his church and find out if he's the real deal or not. So I'm scheduled to go to Minnesota on that Sunday morning. And I woke up early that morning and I told my wife, Jean, I said, I, I don't think I'm supposed to go to Minnesota. Once again, it wasn't in my ears, somewhere between my chest and my belly button, just a knowing in here, it's like I, I'm not supposed to go. So... I said, "Well, let's just go to church then." So we go to our regular church. Nothing unusual happens that morning um, that our church, which I hope you do here, they invite people to come up for prayer with the prayer teams, which is amazing. It doesn't mean you're dying of cancer if you come forward to get prayed for in a church. I mean, get prayed for, get hands laid on. OK, so I went forward. Pastor Norland was standing up at, in the front. He's one of our associate pastors, Godly man. The older man loved the word of God. My dad loved him to death. He just was a great guy. I said, Pastor Pastor Heckman asked if I would meet these men. They want to know if I'd lead a crusade. I don't know anything about it. Would you just pray for me? So I'm in my local church with my pastor, and he puts hands on my shoulder And his wife happened to be standing next to him, and my wife was right there. And she put her hands on my other shoulder. And as soon as he started praying, I felt a weight come down on me and buckle me to the floor. I'm not exaggerating it. I'm healthy. I was, what, 30 years old, healthy guy. And I just kind of went like this, and I just was down on my knees. And Pastor was crying like a baby. I'd never seen that happen before. I'd never experienced that before. I'll tell you this much. I knew something just happened. I didn't make that happen. I'm not imagining that. I don't, something just happened to me. And I think the spirit of God just touched me. So now I want to know, is this really what I'm, well, this, something happened. So I, I went home and, and after church, and then I decided for the next couple of days, around two in the afternoon, I'd go home and I would just sit in my little prayer room and I would just pray. I want to know, I'm not going to go out and do this if this isn't the Lord. I mean, I don't know anything about it. Not to mention I've destroyed my business reputation with the health clubs. So I, I had this chair in this room. We, we, it's so holy. We call it a prayer room. It just kind of overlooked the conservancy off our bedroom. But it was a nice room. And there was a chair. And instead of sitting in the chair, I would just sit on the floor in front of the chair. And it was just in my heart. I was, it was my posture before the Lord as though I was sitting at his feet. I just, I want to know, do you want me to do this? Check this out. I get... The sense, as I do this, and I've, I've only been sitting on the floor for 15 minutes or something, Reggie White. Okay, does anybody know who, do you remember him? Reggie White is like Michael Jordan, or like, I mean, who's the big name right now? He, he was on the Green Bay Packers, won the Super Bowl, everybody, you, do you know who Reggie White is down here? And, okay, so he's, he's big time. Well, this for those of
2: you who are young, just think LeBron James, okay? Yeah, just think you whoever you want. something
3: like that. Okay. But, you don't have Google back then. So, in my mind, I'm thinking that. I just, you ever pray and you just think, I just must have imagined that? Well, I, that happens to me all the time. So, I thought, I'm going to talk to my brother and ask him. I said, I went to see Ted. This is going someplace.
2: Oh, it's such a cool story.
3: I went to see Ted and I said, hey, um, I kind of had the impression I maybe should try to reach out to the Green Bay Packers and see if maybe Reggie White could be the guy that could come to Madison. And that would... That would get the pastors to... Now, remember what I was doing. I was just sitting at his feet, and I had that impression, right? Ask Ted. Ted goes, oh, Sandra Wood? She knows Reggie's agent. I just about dropped over. I, what? How do you even know that? Sandra Wood is Sandra Corbett, who, who wrote the song, I Worship You, Almighty God, which I know you know and have sung over the years. She was a teacher at our kid's school teaches music. I said, is that where she is right now? Well, probably. I mean, it's during school. I said, okay, thanks. I'm going to go talk to her. So I go over to the school because I'm on this chase trying to figure out, is this what God wants me to do? I'm just trying to be obedient. I show up at the school. She's not there. I, I don't know where she was, but she wasn't there. So I left a note. And I'm like, oh man, that would have been, oh, I'm going to see what happens. Next day, she calls me up. This is for real, man. This is how God moves in, in ways. It just blows me away. I, I, I said, Sandra, oh, thank you for calling me back. I'm, and I started explaining what I wanted. She goes, hang on a second, Dave. Hang on, hang on a second. Your brother Ted already told me what you want. I called Vaso, Reggie's agent, up, and I talked to him. Basso called Reggie. Reggie was in his RV traveling across the western part of the United States. The second Reggie heard that he would be used to call pastors in a region together, he immediately said yes, he will be coming to Madison. He'd like a day or two to pray to confirm it, but he's going to come to Madison. I hadn't even asked her what I wanted yet.
2: Now here's what I want to say to us. One of the things, and, and again, what's interesting, just kind of Behind the scenes. Dave and I have spoken together 25 plus times, 30 times. It's never the same. We just came from Bettendorf. The story we're telling you right now, we haven't told yet today. Every service is different. Every service is different. They're all different. But here's what's interesting. Here's what I see. Here's a CEO of a company who's invited by their pastor to consider doing something out in the market, out in the city. What does the CEO do? He goes home at two o'clock. He gets down. He doesn't even sit in the chair. He gets down and sits in front of the chair and just says, Holy Spirit, what do you want to say? Heavenly Father, what do you want to say? Heavenly Father, what do you have? The humility to be willing to say, I don't want to do something, God, if you don't want me to do it. But if you're in it, then I'll follow. I'll be obedient. That is key for some of us. The reason why some of us are not experiencing all that God has for us It's because we're not listening for and responding to the promptings of Holy Spirit. And if we'll do that, amazing things can start happening. Again, with humility, amazing things can happen. And so sure enough, Reggie came, the pastors are called. Yeah.
3: All right. So let me keep on with this story because uh, this is real. If you're going to Listen to the Lord, and you're going to move out into the community. You better have the right spiritual cover because the enemy is out there too. And if you do, remember in the Scripture where we know who Paul and Silas are, we don't know who you are, and the guy got beat the smithereens. Yep. Okay. There's an authority in God; He's the head of all things. Did you ever think about this? Every demon, everything ever created, including Satan himself, was created by God for God's purpose. And that to me is stunning. Seriously? I mean, you're the head of all that? You have authority over all those things? The reason I'm telling you this is what happened next. I went down to this large building in the city that was just built, Frank Lloyd Wright Convention Center, is right on the lake. I went down to to reserve a room, because I thought, well, I'm gonna have an awful lot of people gather, because Reggie's gonna come, so I better get started. The lady says, well, how many people, how, I said, honestly, I don't really know at this point. She's looking at me like, you're a little off, kid. So I I said, well, I'll take that big room by the lake. And I I got a contract. I said, it's not going to be some chicken dinner. It's going to be steak and shrimp. This is going to be first class. It's going to be inviting the pastors of all the churches. Let's treat them like who they are, the way they should be treated. Let's not criticize them. Let's bless them. So steak and shrimp, best room in the city, right there, good to go. Sign the contract. Okay, now I'm really in because I got to pay for all this food and all this kind of stuff. I'm like, I'm still pretty sure I'm supposed to be doing this, but not 100%. (laughs) That night at 3 in the morning, I hear a whoosh outside my window, my bedroom window. I see orange flames shoot up past my second story bedroom window out the window, and I Jumped up out of bed, I looked out the window, I jumped over the top of Jean onto the floor, ran out the back window, and I could see a flame going right across the back of my yard. At that point, it was burning about three feet high, arcing all the way across the backyard to my house. I screamed, get up, well, Gene had already woken up as I jumped over, I'm sure. So I screamed, get out of the house. I thought I left my gas grill on. And, I, and you know, at three in the morning, when you just woke up, I thought, oh no. My gas line somehow lit and is seeping up through the ground. I Get out of the house. We have two children and a dog. She grabbed the kids. I grabbed the other child. We take the run down the front. Out the front door, I said, get in the truck. I had to run back in the kitchen. And I remember running in the kitchen. I don't know why I did this, but I kind of had my head down, because I honestly thought my house was going to blow up. Grabbed the keys, went into the truck. It's cold. It was winter drove down the street about three houses, and parked the truck, left the truck running. The kids are in their jammies. I mean, it was just like in the middle of the night. Within minutes, 911 had been called. I mean, I can't believe how many people showed up at three in the morning. Fire trucks, cops, everybody. And I remember rolling my window down, screaming out to the cop running around, or the firefighter running around behind the building. I said, don't go back there. I think I left my gas grill on. I don't want it to blow up as I thought it was gonna. Well, they don't listen to me. You know, they don't listen to anybody. They just do their job, thank God. So he, they come. Now, pretty soon, the cop comes back down the street. And he's got kind of a serious look on his face. And uh, so I roll my window down. Everybody's still in the car. And he kind of leans over to me so he can sort of just talk to me a little bit. And he said, um... You didn't leave your gas grill on, Mr. Gary. Have you been threatened lately? This is undoubtedly an arson attempt. We have the fire investigators on their way. We have dogs coming to the scene. We need to figure out, oh my gosh, my mind's just like, what? So now we have to go back down to the house. They said everything's safe, everything's out, the fire's out. We're sitting at the kitchen table. Why don't you put the kids back to bed? So now Gene and I are sitting at the table and the cop wants to do kind of an investigation. And he starts asking me questions. He goes, I got to ask you some serious questions. And I'm like, all right. He goes, Do you have a girlfriend? No. Do you? Did you say something to any girl at the health clubs? You know, I got 50,000 members. I mean, I could have said something and then the guy was standing there and he got mad. Me- I said, No, I'm not aware of that. Uh, do you gamble? I mean, they asked me all these questions. And fortunately, I could say no to all those questions. And they said, Well, We've got dogs outside. That's probably enough for tonight. Uh, the property is secure. I think you can go ahead and go back to sleep. Well, who the heck can go back to sleep at that point? So I honestly, I mean, this is the flesh of me. But I slept with a loaded shotgun under my bed after that point. And I called my brothers up and I said, don't anybody play any tricks on me at all? I'm going to find out where my wife and two kids are, and the next one I'm pulling a trick. I was, I was kind of scared. I called my pastor and I said, here's what happened. The amount of intercession that arose over that time was unbelievable. People with the ministry of Lundstrom's ministry, the churches, all these churches around the city. I started to feel a cover and a protection I'd never felt in my life. Do you know that when you go to my window and you look down from my prayer room, the ark went right around the perimeter of my prayer room. And when I looked down there that next morning and I could see the burn in the grass, I could feel the Holy Spirit, somewhere between my chest and my belly button, reassure me. I'll let the enemy come that close, he won't come any closer. And I said at that point, I won't step outside the cover of God. I'm not gonna do it on my own. I'm not gonna build my own kingdom. I'm not gonna try to do this my own way. I'm gonna be covered by my pastor, covered by my church, covered by the intercession. And I'm going to trust the Lord. And the only thing I'm going to do is what he tells me to do, period. And that's how I began my journey with that crusade.
2: So here's the deal. What's interesting is is that if you were to go to Madison today, you would see a beautiful home for unwed, pregnant women that's there because their dad has kicked them out and they have no place to go. And God, Holy Spirit, used Dave to bring that about. Tens of thousands of, tens of thousands of pounds of food are donated every year. Not through the little local church-like food pantry thing. But God has, and, and I'll just tell you, as a former pastor of Madison, God has used Dave over and over and over again just to bring great joy and comfort and encouragement to pastors throughout that region. A marketplace person just being obedient to Holy Spirit. Here's the thing. The reason I had you say to each other a little while ago, it's not just for someone else. It's for you. It's because I'm convinced that what happens is, is you hear stories like these. And you say, oh, I guess God just loves Dave a little bit more than he loves me. And therefore, I guess he's just going to do great little things through Dave, but not through me. And that is a lie of the enemy. God wants to work in and through you to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or think, dream of, or even imagine. So much more. So much more. So much more. And we are allowing our minds to hit a lid. And that lid is of the enemy. And God wants to free you this morning and all that He has for you. He has gifted you. He's called you. Stop looking at your life and just saying, well, I guess this is all there has to be. No! There's so much more that God wants to do in and through you. You are made in the image of Almighty God. You have His image living inside of you. He wants to do so
3: much more. Let's we're running out of time but let's finish with this. I think you're like David. I think I was like David. I think that we're out in the field and we're tending our few little sheep. And and everybody else is in the battle. And our older brothers are in the battle and our pastors in the battle. And, you know, you think about that whole story. One army on one side, one on the other side of the chasm, and they're just screaming at each other. They weren't doing anything except yelling at one another. We do that all the time in every part of a walk of our life. But what did David do? He decided, I think the Lord wants me to move out and move forward. So he's got his little sheep. He had to fight through, and maybe you're like me, he had to fight through some of the family first. David shows up, and she says... The brothers say, what are you doing here, you little pipsqueak? Go, go back with your few little sheep. So they condescend on them. You ever get condescended on from your family? Oh, you're one of those Jesus freak people? Okay, well, it happened to David. Then David goes to what I would call a lousy pastor, okay? Yep. You, you, you know, yeah. we're very close, and I, I very much understand the authority of the pastor in the church. But he goes to Saul, and he goes, you know what? I, I would like to help help fight the good fight here. Um, and Saul goes, well, you, you're going to get killed. <laughs> you're just a little guy. And David says, well, I really think I'm supposed to. And finally Saul gives in and says, well, okay, you can go out and build that food pantry. You can go out and build, but you have to do it my way. You have to wear my armor. So now pastor puts on David, little David, the armor. And David shows up like this. And he can barely stand up because he's got Saul's helmet and stuff on. And he doesn't want to be disrespectful. And you're, you're like this. I was like this. I don't want to be out of order. I want to do it the way God wants it done. But pastors tell me do it this way. Hey, pastors, don't put your armor on somebody else. Don't put your anointing on somebody else. Okay? Recognize and validate the anointing God placed on them. So finally, David, out of respect and reverence for Saul, says... Would it be okay if I go do this, but could I just do it this way? Could I take the Spirit of God with me and how He's already trained me? Would it be okay with you? Can I still go? I'll take the risk, okay? But I, can't, I know I can't do it with your your suit and your shoes. I, I'm just not made that way. How many of you know that out in the city, there's certain things that you could do in two seconds that would take a pastor years to do? Amen. Likewise... Quit criticizing the pastor in your local church. You don't know anything about it. You don't have his anointing. You're just talking. You don't know anything. about Honor your pastor. He's been anointed by God. Okay? That's important. Yeah. Now, in finishing, now, what about the Davids? What about you? Is there something in your spirit that knows you were created to do more than what you're doing right now? Have you been kind of back there tending the sheep? Did you get a little bit of encouragement one time and you got bold and you said, "I'm in, and then your mom or your dad or your uncle or your aunt or some elder at the church said, well, who do you think you are? Well, you know, they do that stuff. That's a critical spirit. It's a critical spirit.
1: Yeah.
3: Okay, wouldn't it have been fun to show up and that person said, you can do it, run like the wind. You were made for this, but they didn't. Got through the leadership, the leadership. David shows up and says, I want to go with the Spirit of God, and I'm going to take what I know how to do. I was trained with this sling, and I was trained with these stones. And I've had some success in the past. I took out a lion. I took out a bear. And you know what? If it takes me out in the end, I'm going to go after the giant. How many of you Davids in this room have giants in your city that know Saul? If Saul... (laughs) Could've done it, Saul would've taken Goliath out. Saul was incapable of taking Goliath out. Amen. But David was made for such a time as this. Amen. He approached, went out to the giant, you know the rest of the story. He took what he was trained to do. Put it right in his forehead, dropped to the ground, took out his sword, Saul's sword, or uh, Goliath's sword, cut his head off. The army fleed. Is that a right word? They, f- they went that they way, in a hurry because the victory had already been made and done. It was one little guy with one little sling, one little stone, He took the giant out. I think if David had stayed in the field tending those few little sheep, like you and me, stayed undercover, never would have happened. I think there's giants in this community that you were made, yeah. I was made to take out. Giants of homelessness, giants that need food and feeding, uh, homes for pregnant women, things like that, need to be done, and only will happen when the giants are taken out and the Davids arise.
2: David, you, uh, just before you're done, I know we're over, but they're used to that with me in this service, so it's okay. There's grace. Holy Spirit said something to you when you walked into this room, the first service. Did yeah. I?
3: When I a lot of times when I go to a church, I, I don't know what we're going to talk about. I just wait on the Lord, and when I walk through the back door of this church in the first service, I sense the Holy Spirit say, this church can change this region. I, I really mean that. I felt like this church has an authority and a power and a, there's, a, there's a strength here and a depth here that can change the region. And I just, that's what the Holy Spirit said to me. This church can change this region. You will not change this region without the Holy Spirit. Amen. David would have been taken out by Goliath. He went with the Spirit of God on him. You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit before you're going to take a region. But I think that that's a destiny over this body.
2: Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Last thing. I don't mean this weird. The reputation of heritage is not going to change the city. What's going to change this area and this region is men and women... Who simply live into and live out the anointing of God that he's already placed on you. And that's what's going to change this region. So I want to ask you to do something really bold. You know what David did? He did something really bold. He went out. You know, you come against me, Goliath, with a spear and a sword, but I come against you in the name of the God of all of Israel. He did something really bold. I'm going to ask some of you to do something really bold right now. If you sense that that there's an anointing on you, you just sense God wants to do something in and through me in the marketplace. Then I, I want you, I'm going to invite you right now to stand. I'm asking you right now to stand. Literally, right now, I mean that. Not in five minutes, not in 80 seconds. Right now, there's an anointing on my life. God wants to do something. I sense He wants to do something more than what I'm experiencing right now. He's got greater things for me than what I'm experiencing right now. And you just stand, hallelujah, in Jesus' name. Good for you, in Jesus' name. Now here's what's going to happen. Dave's going to pray over you, and then I'm going to pray over you. The marketplace person and the pastor. And here's what I want you to sense. You are being released this morning into the marketplace, into the calling that God has given you. You're being anointed this morning. In my position, I have the privilege of laying my hands on future pastors and, and ordaining them into the ministry. You are being ordained this morning to go run in the marketplace and do what God has called you to do in the marketplace. Please don't limit, please don't limit what God wants to do in you. Dave, would you pray? Uh, for
3: was, me? It, was it Moses that was told to speak to the rock? And. Yep. He hid it. Yep. Okay. I was told not to lay hands on, but to speak this over you. So I know that this is real. I was told this by the Lord somewhere between my chest and my (laughs) belly button a couple weeks ago. So I'm going to pray over you right now without touching any of you. But I'm going to ask that the power of the Holy Spirit come over you right now by the authority of Jesus Christ. That the anointing that God has and the mantle that he has for you be placed on your shoulders and that you'd be released out into the marketplace, out into the kingdom of God that goes outside these four walls, that you would receive wisdom, knowledge, and understanding of that which God has for you to do and the things he has for you to accomplish. For the glory of God the Father, I pray those things in Jesus' name.
2: And God, I pray right now for men and women who will have, as they, as they, as they, begin to imagine what you want to do in and through them, the enemy's gonna try and discourage them in some way, shape, or form. And I pray when that happens, just like it happened in Dave's life, and that fire, literal, literal fire came around his house, I pray God that when the enemy attacks, that they would stand up and say, oh, 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 no, 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 no. You're not gonna discourage me. You are not gonna hold me back from the destiny that God has given me to have. He's placed that inside of me, and I'm not gonna wear someone else's armor I'm not going to try and do it someone else's way. You've called me to do it in a certain way. I'm going to be humble. I'm going to be obedient to you, Holy Spirit. But I'm going to walk out in the anointing that's on my life in the marketplace to make a difference for Almighty God there. He's called me, and I receive it in Jesus' name. And the boldness and the confidence that David had, I pray, would fill now the lives, the hearts, and the minds of teachers, and again, engineers, and doctors, and nurses, and lawyers, and just all kinds of people would right now sense you saying to them I have called you, I've gifted you I'm sending you out fresh and new but now with a mantle and an anointing on your life that no one can touch so walk in humility walk under the cover but walk in an anointing and a courage and a confidence that you are my son, you are my daughter and I've called you to make a difference where you are in Jesus name And I will do exceeding abundantly, above all that you could ask, think of, or even imagine. Hallelujah.
0: Powerful service this has been. If something during the service struck a chord with you or you'd like to have someone pray with you or have a follow-up question, I'd encourage you to go to heritageqc.com slash connect and one of us from the pastoral team will reach out to you. That's also a great way to find out which groups, classes, and events we are currently offering. If you have been impacted by this service, we'd encourage you to consider partnering with us by giving to the Ministry of Heritage Church, which makes programs like this possible. One of the easiest ways to do this is by going to heritageqc.com give. Thank you so much for joining us for worship today, and we will see you next week.